You're listening to From the Field, a podcast helping ministry leaders think differently, thrive personally, and lead thoughtfully. Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Formation Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I also write about developing relationship with God at ryanhughley.com. My name is Tyler Dravitz. I'm the executive pastor at Formation, and I also lead a company called MyXP, where we help pastors solve problems by providing remote executive pastor support and bookkeeping to churches around the country. Learn more at myxp.church. All right, time for a new series. All right. Conversations. Uh, we're going to talk about if we were going to, if I was going to frame these next four conversations that we're going to have around a question. Uh huh. It's a question that we are very much uh, experiencing and trying to get our own head around in real time. Mm-hmm. And that question is: Could smaller worship venues be viable? Yeah. Um, so for people that aren't familiar, maybe they've haven't listened over the last couple of months or this is their first time with us. We uh, we moved here to Salt Lake City just over five years ago and planted Ridgeline Church. So we were 18 months old when COVID hit. Obviously, that was a really difficult thing for our church to endure. Uh, the long and short of it is we emerged from that two-year period, a very different church than we went into it, mm. and we felt like it was worth completely starting over from okay. scratch. So we spent uh, three months. You always say, okay, like you weren't right, part like of the I'm decision. Right, like I'm learning this. Like, oh, we did. <laughs> That's interesting. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but I appreciate, appreciate the way you, you very yeah, actively it, listen. It, it's, it's interesting. How uh-huh. do you actively listen to something you already know? You just go, yep. For people who aren't in the room. <laughs> oh, I get it. That's a throwback to an old podcast. In oh. the room. Oh, I thought you were being no. clever. No? Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. I, are you are you with me on this uh-huh. one? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's do it. <laughs> so, we shut down for uh, 3 months, trained our church, relaunched meeting on Sunday afternoons at another church venue. Uh, the venue, uh, the room was too large for us. It wasn't a good fit. And so that really let, led us to a, this point of crisis, which truthfully, I mean, I think you'd agree with this, has been a point of crisis for us for five years. Uh, well, I guess really all the way back to planting in redemption. Space has always been mm. an issue. Yeah. We've been mobile. I've been in mobile environments. You have two since 2001. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Um, I guess mine technically goes back to 99. 2000, something yeah, like that. Intern. Yeah. yeah, an intern. That was a fun time. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the exception of 18 months in Hickory, North Carolina, we were, we've always been mobile. So, mm-hmm. so this like rental space worship venue thing has always been a massive headache for us. And interesting, we were gone from the one we planted uh, in Illinois for like a couple of months and then they got a building. They got a, yeah, it's so, cool. We're just, it's just not what God has for that's us. That's right. <laughs> But, um, you know, part of that, I think part of what has made that such a crisis point and headache for us has been what I believe is the most common coaching around worship venues, which is like, you really need to find like the biggest venue you can Mm -hmm. to reach the most number of people. Sure. And I think there's a couple of different problems with that. Mm. One that I think is probably worth us talking a little bit about and sharing maybe the evolution of our own experience and thought on that is this question of like, is bigger better? Mm. You know, like I think that that is 
there is so much, and I I want to be careful not to cloak all like big church stuff in the same thing. But I do think that there is just so much of American culture that has infected the modern church. Yeah, absolutely. When you're in business, bigger is better. You want to make more money. You want to have more customers. That's what you're told anyway. Yeah. And, and I, and I would just say that a lot of that is what has informed uh, the modern church. And unfortunately, we we then use texts in places like the book of Acts where God was adding to their numbers day by day, those mm-hmm. who were being saved and thousands mm. of people are coming to faith in a moment, as if those texts are supposed to be normative for the church today. And they're, I, I, my argument would be that they're not supposed to be. And I would say that the bigger is better thing is actually just filled with flaws as oh, a philosophical sure. conviction. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can look at or pay attention to the news and see that um, it certainly doesn't uh, void you of problems or different things like that. It it does tend to, uh, it it has the ability to open up um, a lot of opportunities that like maybe a pastor shouldn't have. um, And it's just very, very, it just puts you more and more in the throngs of temptation and the ability to like keep it together. I, yeah. Just a lot of things that I just don't know. And even, even like you were talking about with, um, uh, you know, in business and this and that, but I even think of uh, my XP, the, the company that, um, uh, I'm the executive director of you're on the board. Um, and people tell me all the time, man, this is such a great idea. You really ought to blow this up. And I just have no desire to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, Whatsoever. As a matter of fact, uh, we've gone through different times of being full. We we have some uh, openings right now, and mm-hmm. so if you're interested, reach out for sure. But uh, we've gone through different times of being full, and I've had to tell people to wait. And then when the opening was there, they either were still interested or not. But it just like I think at some point when you're like, you know what, like God has provided well for me or for my team or whatever we're doing, like. That's good, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, there is always going to be some people who transition to other things or do other stuff, and so you can't just, like, exist on the same forever. It'd be awesome, I got to tell you. Like, keeping the same people versus onboarding new people, uh, I mean, there's all kinds of stats as to the expense of hiring someone new versus getting someone mm-hmm. who's existing to get better and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but it just, it doesn't have to be that way. No. And I'm not really sure. I, I don't know um, why that resonates so deeply with some and not with others. I don't know why for me, there just doesn't seem to be any interest at mm-hmm. all. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I feel really good. If God wants to allow me to win the lottery someday, great. Um, <laughs> but I play it like only when it's like a gazillion dollars and I buy one. Because yeah. I just feel like, well, if this is it, God doesn't need me to buy 50 or 60. I can just buy one. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I just say all that to say like, it doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just am not sure where it came from. Sort of like the convolution of the church and the American dream maybe or mm-hmm. whatever. But it just, it doesn't have to be about more, more, more all the time. And to your point, it does often get kind of baptized in this idea of like, you know, like you get pushed up against, but are you really going to like, if you have the opportunity to make an impact on one more person or to take them to heaven with you, wouldn't you say yet? Yeah. Well, everyone like that's just not fair. Cause yeah. first of all, uh, I don't get to decide who, who goes and doesn't and all of that. That's not on me. And second of all, like it's, it, it, 
it's a form of spiritual abuse to, to take what you believe you're called to. And I would ask you to really question like, are you called to that? Or did somebody tell you that's what you should be called to mm-hmm. in order to be a good pastor? Uh, number one. And then number two, to take what you believe you're called to and force it as normative or the like entry point for everybody else. That's it's good. just not good. Yeah. So I would, I would like, I want to be clear. The point of our series of conversations right now is not to demonize no. or diminish big church. Our point is to say that that small church is not less meaningful. Right. And I think we spent, and in all fairness, we both spent a large number of years uh, believing that it was, mm-hmm. uh, a large number of years believing that uh, there's no point in trying to make much of an impact outside of your like four walls unless... You know, you, you had to sort of wait yeah. until something happened. And meanwhile, God's used this podcast to bless a lot of pastors. He's used your book to bless a lot of pastors. My XP exists. If if it was a giant church, none of that would have come to fruition. Right. And I just feel like, um, uh, yeah, God can use all kinds of things and we're not in charge of it. Yeah. And I would, I would also just want to preface this by saying for people that aren't familiar with our background, we have pastored in all three categories of churches. We have mm-hmm. pastored in small church, we've pastored in mid-sized church, and we have pastored in large church. Mm-hmm. And uh, from, I mean, whatever metrics anyone would use to apply to those to those three categories, we've done so successfully mm-hmm. in all three. So I say that not to be like, we have successfully done these, you know, all three sizes, but to say, I think there's a tendency in large church pastors or in the hearts of, of ministry leaders that want to lead in like numerically large ways to look at those that are raising their hand going like, well, can't small matter too? And and say that as like, well, you're just trying to justify your lack of fruitfulness. Well, that's right. not true. We've been fruitful across all three of those. Sure. And we have made a choice to be where we are in this season of our ministry. Totally. And it doesn't, it does small doesn't mean there's something you haven't figured out yet. Mm-mm. Maybe it means there's a lot you have figured out and you've made a <laughs> conscious choice. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's good. Anyway. And so again, coming back to really what the overarching question, what we're really talking about, even more than church size, we're really talking about venue size. Because again, the popular thing that we are often told, especially in the realm of church planting, is like you got to get a big venue mm-hmm. to reach a lot of people. Sure. And so the one thing that we just have been sidebarring about is like, well, maybe there's something broken in this like worship of reaching a lot of people in the first place. Sure. But what we want to do is we want to speak to what, what, you know, studies would show is the normal size church, which we'll get into some of that in just a few minutes. But our question is it could, could smaller worship venues actually be viable to raise a healthy church in. And so we have uh, in the beginning of December, we moved into what we had been using as a, like, m- basically Monday through Friday uh, ministry center. Mm-hmm. and Multi-purpose space. Yeah, multi-purpose yeah. space and turned it uh, essentially into our church, <laughs> like 4,000 square feet. So mm-hmm. it's not big. And we now do uh, everything here, including Sunday morning worship. Yep. And there are uh, great... Um, opportunities that have come with that. There are challenges that have come with that, and we're going to just try and unpack all of it. But today, the point of our conversation is we want to talk about three of the most common problems that come with larger venues. Mm -hmm. Because it is not, just because you get a large venue doesn't mean it's going to be all awesome for you. Like there are some, like we've been in large venues. Sometimes there have been some tremendous perks to that, but it's not all great. 
And so what we're going to do is like, let's just unpack these, the three most common problems with these larger venues. Okay. Yep. So the first one, and I'll let you speak to this because this is your area of oversight more than anybody else's. And that's just the cost, mm. you know, like, I mean, I, I, this probably is just like basic logic, but the larger the space, typically the more it costs to yeah. be able to have that. And uh, yes, so that's absolutely true. Um, you've got all kinds of additional costs. You've got the security and the utilities and you've got the upkeep and the maintenance and even in a situation where you have been gifted a church, which mm -hmm. is pretty common. Yeah. You know, a church, uh, you know, has just... Uh, trunk down and has decided to like gift it to another like up and coming church plant, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, that is not always the exclusive blessing that it seems. I happen to know uh, a church that was in that very situation and they have been told by their insurance provider that they must redo their parking lot. Um, it's not the world's largest church. And the quote to redo the parking lot is close to half a million dollars. I haven't, I haven't even told you this, but on that note, I was meeting with a pastor friend here in Salt Lake two weeks ago, and there is a historic uh, Latter-day Saints building mm -hmm. uh, down closer to downtown from where we are right now, and it is for sale, and they think there's a good possibility they, can, they could get it, which sounds awesome. For one thing, mm. it's like a Bible-believing mm -hmm. church gets to ha like sure. get this space, yeah, yeah. and it is an old historic building, which is really cool. Probably problem is it's in such bad shape it would literally have to be torn to the ground mm. so i think they were gonna have to pay like two million dollars to get it tear it down to the ground and then spend another whatever it was going to be three or four million dollars to build a building there yeah and it's just like that story of being given a building is mm -hmm. just not it's what everybody wants and prays for and then most of the time, those ones that are given are not the like fancy fresh ones that no. you pass by and you you think, man, that's an awesome building. They're the ones that um, uh, it's it's unlikely that a church has decided to like uh, turn over the reins um, in the heyday. Yeah. It's usually a long time later when there's hardly anybody left right. or whatever. And so, uh, yeah, I just think that it can be astronomical to mm -hmm. have a large building. I mean, just to like turn on the HVAC mm -hmm. or just the sound to, system. I like mean, the bigger the room, the bigger oh, yeah. the sound system has to be, the bigger the expense. Oh yeah. And, and, and the more dialed in things have to be, I mean, the church that we were at in North Carolina spent 250,000 on, uh, the sound system and the, the AVL install in that, in that place. And it just is like, um, unnecessary. I mean, that's just so much. Yeah. Uh, but, it needed to be because a lot of things had to be like dialed in because you can't train volunteers how to turn on 74,000 switches and, you know, and, right. and like crawl up in the rafters and all of that. Like, so you just have to do so much more to make it work. Yeah. You can't just like sit a couple of JBLs on the stage in a 900 seat <laughs> auditorium. Like it has to be big. Right. So it's exactly. just very, very yep. expensive. And so it's, it's just way more than you think uh, down to every part of it, yeah. including just even the insurance cost. Yeah. Um, number two is the availability. So, uh, by this, we just mean like, can you find something? Yeah. And, and this uh, has been our problem oh, here, yeah. here in Illinois. Yeah. I mean, just <laughs> it's true. like, yeah, people are not 
um, all or here in particular are mm-hmm. not at all, but even lots of other places, like not everyone's thrilled to hear a church is coming to their neighborhood right. or to their strip mall or to their plaza or, you know, and a, a developer may or may not even be like, just might feel like, I don't know if you're going to make the mortgage. I don't know. Like it just feels kind of sketchy mm-hmm. to the average person. And so as a result, even if you've got like proof of funds and all of that, that doesn't mean they're going to even return your calls as we've, we've experienced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was over in, uh, in West Valley having lunch with a friend a couple of months ago and I saw this big corner unit in a strip mall, like many that you and I have looked yeah. at over the years, a couple of which we've looked at here and have not been like, have been told we can't even pursue the possibility of renting it because we're a church, mm-hmm. but they put a giant sex shop in the corner. And I was just like, what is happening Right, <laughs> that that gets a pass, sure. but a church, regardless, that's a whole secondary thing. But the bigger issue is it can just be really hard to find what it is that you're looking for. Our challenge has been trying to find something that we can afford, yep. something that actually suits our needs in the size and a landlord that would be willing to work with us. And we have missed multiple times on one or all three of those fronts. Yeah. And that can just make it extremely difficult to get access to a space that you might actually need. Oh, for sure. I mean, even before, so we've been in this ministry center for three years. Mm -hmm. Before we got this one, there was a space that we wanted uh, nearby. Mm -hmm. Um, It was money that we had or would have been able to pay and all of that. And the landlord just stopped responding and started ghosting us once he understood what we were. I mean, that place sat empty until like three months ago Yeah, because I used to live right by it and I would drive by and see, and it was still empty still. And Mm -hmm. like, and so he decided it was more advantageous to ghost and not like we would have been great tenants. We've never been late on the rent. We Mm -hmm. always do what we're told. I'm a big rule follower Mm -hmm. and it's still you just that availability. It's just not guaranteed. So even if you find something you fall in love with and you think this is the one doesn't mean it is right. So problem one is cost. Problem two is availability. And then the third one, and I think this is a really important trend for for us to look at honestly and to pay attention to, and that is the issue of attendance. So big rooms that, um, let's see, where to start with this? One thing I, I guess where we can start is just to say that in general, the trends in church attendance are not awesome. Right. Like if you look at them year over year. So, so most recently, even just today I was reading, and this was in a 2021 article that Lifeway Research did. Um, they have found that the average worship venue in the U.S. has 200 seats. Mm. But the median attendance in uh, the average church in the United States is 65 people. Mm-hmm. So seven in 10 churches. And that's 2021. You, yeah. Sometimes you hear these and you're like, yeah, that was back in 1963. Yeah. This was a couple well, years ago. And the problem is these numbers since, I don't even know how far back, but they've only been steadily declining. Yeah. Like in the last 20 years, the, the, the trend has been toward declining churches. And obviously there are exceptions to this. And mm-hmm. praise God for churches that have like blown up and exploded and reached a lot of people. I'm genuinely thrilled about that. But it's it's very, very important to say that those things are not it's the same thing I was saying about the book of Acts. Like, so to look at, you know, not every single sermon that Peter preached had the same 
fruitfulness as his Pentecost sermon. 3,000 people didn't come to faith every time that guy opened his mouth. That was a one-time event. And it was very unique in nature. And so it's important to look at some of these outliers of churches that have like really continued to grow and explode and to say, praise God for it. And they are just that. They're outliers. That Mm. is not normative. What's normative is much smaller churches. And so we need to look at that honestly and not just bemoan that and think like, you know, the gospel's not working and that God's not at work. That's not true. We're just like, this is where we are and it's worth paying attention to and embracing because I would say like, this is one of the things that we experience is that these big, huge rooms that feel empty, you know? So like, you don't, when you walk into this big cavernous room and it's beautiful, Mm -hmm. like that doesn't feel good if there's 20 people in it. It has very adverse emotional effects on the people that inhabit that space. It sure. makes them feel like something is wrong. Totally. And and I, I think that, again, if small is not less meaningful, if small is not less important, if small is not bad, then regardless of the size of the community gathering in a space, they shouldn't feel bad right. about the fact that they're 60 people strong, that sure. are committed and growing and faithful, like that should be something to really be celebrated and enjoyed. Absolutely. And I think that um, if you're a church planter and listening and, um, you know, thinking about different rooms, I mean, that's the whole point of this series yeah. because it's just way more doable. Yeah. I mean, we, we did have this space. We don't own it. Yeah. Um, but our goal for what we needed to be able to move into it, uh, we needed to raise $20,000. Yeah. That was our quote-unquote capital campaign. Believe yeah. it or not, we didn't have to hire any external experts. We didn't have to, you know, do any sort of generosity protocol uh, campaign thing, uh-huh. all of that kind of stuff. And again, I understand that some of those have a place and whatever, uh, but we were able to do it inside of that for the most part, I mm-hmm. think, uh, by God's grace, we raised more than that. And so, uh, we spent a little bit more, mm-hmm. uh, but outside of that, like it's just way more doable and maybe, uh, maybe what that then needs is yes. So our church is going to fill up faster, uh, mm-hmm. having a smaller space than if we had a larger space, right. but then there'll be the need for another church and right. another one that might be able to like get their church up and going and started for, uh, pennies on the dollar than the multi-million dollar funds that some people have to raise just to move into a building. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, really good. So again, so that's what we're going to, we're going to continue to come at this from uh, a number of different angles. But what we're going to do next week is we're going to talk about some of the opportunities uh, that smaller worship venues provide us. Because again, it can be, we will have an honest conversation about the challenges because there are many challenges with it for sure. But I think the point would be that there are challenges with any sized venue. And mm-hmm. every single venue. We've had challenges in every space we have ever been in. Yep. But oftentimes, um, we have heard almost nothing but negativity about smaller spaces. And as we are continuing to experience, we're seeing a lot of opportunity in it. And it's mm-hmm. been really, really good. And it is provoking this kind of growing question inside of both of us on like, what what if the average church, so, you know, small church, 100 people, 150 people, what if they really could make 4,000, 5,000, 6,000 square feet work as opposed to thinking like, well, we shouldn't really make a move on a building until we can get 20,000 feet or 20,000 mm-hmm. square feet. Sure. Well, that just 
or that, 100 or whatever. Well, whatever the number might be. Yeah, whatever the network leader is that you talked to who told yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Because in the first church that we planted in Chicago, Redemption, we got that counsel mm-hmm. and we passed on a space that I still look back and think that space would have been exceptionally right. good for the health of our church. And we passed on it because the the counsel that we got was, well, it's not big enough for the future. You'll explode out of it. I'm right. here to tell you that church is like healthy and doing great and could have still been in that building. in that space and had room to spare. Yeah. So it just, and, and even in that situation, we, we were just fortunate that uh, the owner was a Christian and excited mm-hmm. about the possibility and all of that. And yeah. And uh, that's not to blame it. Like, we're the leaders of the church. We made the decision, but hopefully uh, others can learn from some of the things that we uh, made mistakes on. Yeah. So I just want to, would want to say, I've had a couple of conversations with pastors in the last few months that are really reconsidering their spaces Mm. and have been functioning for many years under this like bigger is better mindset, but are experiencing like the pain of the cost of it, Mm -hmm. of their worship venues being 75% empty and it doesn't doesn't feel the the experience of that doesn't feel good mm-hmm. and so they're re, rethinking the whole thing and so we I do want to say like we're 2 months in to our thing here mm-hmm. it's been a great 2 months yep there have been challenges yeah. that we'll talk about again but so far we feel more and more confident every week like this this is really working for us yeah. and so if you're out there and considering it please tag along with us um, on this series of conversations and <clears throat> maybe you can find some encouragement regarding uh, what it is that God's leading you into in this next season. So next week, we're back with the second part uh, of this series talking about the opportunity of smaller worship venues. Uh, Until then, we'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at at Ryan Hughley. That's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. You can find me on the same platforms at at Tyler Dravitz. That's D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. Thanks so much for listening again, and we'll see you next time.